Welcome everyone to Indisputable. I am Francesca Fiorentini in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. Of course, it is going to be a good show, a packed show, a big show, lots of stories. Um, some some insanity from the cops as always, uh, some Karens of course, uh, and then what's going on on the Medicaid front? Some 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 serious stuff over there. Uh, but I am very very excited to have with me the mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, of course, Mondale Robinson. Welcome. Good, thank you, thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, it's been a while. I know you just got back from vacation, and I'm sure you want to jump into the news. Absolutely. <laughs> also, mayors get to take vacation. I love this. I think yeah, that's I mean, right. Was the first time in like what ten years? So, I mean, I was on vacation, but the mayorship didn't allow it. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm taking calls and also fielding questions as I'm trying to enjoy Greece. Right, <laughs> <laughs> just like your partner's like, put your phone down. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, let's um, jump in to this incredibly important and. Um, Honestly, trigger warning story. Um, Aurora, in Aurora, Colorado, a 14-year-old boy, Jordell Richardson, uh, was shot by the Colorado police. Uh, and in other words, the Aurora police murdered a young boy, uh, 14 years old. There he is. Um, Jordell was shot in the stomach after he was followed on foot. This was a foot chase where officers thought that he had a handgun. Jordell is heard screaming after the shot is fired and is yelling actually, I'm sorry, I'm done, help me, take me to the hospital, I can't breathe, help. Now the reason we're not showing you the footage and we're showing you stills is again, this is a 14 year old boy. And so there are different restrictions on what we can show you. And again, far too often underage, Black kids are being targeted by the police. Now, what happened? I want to give you a little bit of of um, what we'll get into exactly what happened. Actually, why don't we just jump down um, to uh, the next graphic? Following the shooting, uh, the police say he was involved in an armed robbery at a convenience store where he flashed a pellet gun at a clerk. He and a few other teens reportedly stole vape canisters from the store. During the time police chased and shot Jordell, officers didn't know he had committed a robbery. Police Chief Acevedo said the pellet gun the teen carried looked like an HK USP 9mm handgun. Okay, so that is why they were chasing him in the first place. There was reports of a robbery. And so then let's go back to exactly what happened. So. He's on the ground, he's been shot, he says, take me to the hospital, I can't breathe. You got Officer Kruzezeka, then calls for medical assistance and reports that shots were fired. While breathing hard, Jordell says, they made me do it. I didn't know who they were, they made me do it. While Snap handcuffs Jordell, that's another officer. While the teen is unresponsive, he's been shot. They handcuff him after he's been shot. The teen is unresponsive, one officer searches him, and a moment later both decide to start CPR. The officer snap urges Jordell to stay awake, as if that helped or ever worked. And then an EMS arrives to transport Jordell, who later, yeah, died of his injuries at a hospital. So again, this is all because he had a pellet gun and they thought he robbed a convenience store. He's there saying, they made me do it. Please stop, take me to the hospital, I'm done, I'm done. Um, Mondale, before we get into the response from the families, just wanted to kick it to you. 
Yeah, I think you know when we continue to see police officers act in this manner where they shoot first. First of all, let's remember that it is legal to have a gun in Colorado, and it's and it's already obvious to us that they didn't know that this kid had a toy gun or a real gun, um, because that the information about them and the robbery was not privy to the officers at the time of the chase. What we do know though, the officer's attitude told us exactly what their motives were. This officer said before they even saw the kids, they just saw suspicious acts from the kids, them being in hoodies and masks. And one of the officers said, I'm gonna light his ass up. Yes. What are you implying when you say that? What are your intentions? This is even before you knew what that kid had in their arm. Also, you didn't know how old this kid was. So he could have been a law abiding citizen carrying a firearm because Colorado allows for people to carry firearms if you're 18. So killing this kid, murdering this kid is exactly what happened. And they continue to say it completely different. And I and I and that is the sad part about this. Yeah, absolutely. They said we're gonna light him up. As they, so there's conflicting reports, right? It's like, did they know that this was a robbery? It seems like some of them did and then, or as they were apprehending him, they found out there was a robbery and that's when he said, I'm gonna light him up. Now, I want everyone to remember, he was not, he was not even running away from the police as cowardly as that would have been to shoot at someone, right? He was already apprehended. And he was shot in the stomach. Are we gonna see another, you know, I thought it was my taser excuse? Like, honestly, I, I, I don't know what the excuse is there. You've got him. He's a 14 year old kid. There's multiple officers. You have him. Now, okay, a couple other, a little bit more context and then a, his, the response from his family. So, two other 14 year olds were also taken into custody, uh, thankfully not murdered. Uh, and face false imprisonment and aggravated robbery charges. Police have identified other suspects who fled in a stolen Kia Sedona minivan, but have yet to apprehend them. Um, the response from um, Jordell's family, Jordell Richardson is his name. Um, attorneys for Jordell's family said that his family's quote traumatized by the shooting and the death of the boy they loved. And they're left with more questions and answers after viewing the videos. Acevedo, who is the police chief, apparently told family members that Jordell didn't suffer before he died, which the family found insulting. During the news conference, Acevedo confirmed, yeah, that he told the family that. And Gruzazeka has been placed on administrative leave pending an ongoing investigation into the shooting of Jordell. Right, again, paid administrative leave once again and wanna bet he feared for his life once there's a pellet gun. And Mondell, you said it, right? How do they know? You're chasing a kid, how do they know he is 18 or not, right? Like that. If it's legal to carry a gun, as it is in Colorado, then what are we doing here, right? It's is it, are all your rights waived when there is some presumption or suspicion of a nonviolent criminal offense like stealing vape canisters? I don't think so. I don't think you lose your life for that. But again, when you are black in this country, that is, I mean, it is a death sentence when dealing with the police. Whereas if you're white, and we covered on this show so many times, you're strung out on drugs. What was that a, a man in a suit the other the other day we covered? A guy in a suit strung out on fentanyl in his car uh, uh, or something of the sort. He's gingerly woken up, sort of, you know, almost like like making sure he's fine. Hey, that stuff is dangerous. No one's pulling a gun on him. No one's chasing him. Anyway, um, we will see. There's got to be more to this, but any last thoughts, Mondale? 
Yeah, I think uh, you know we, we we're obligated in this country to continue to play that we're naive and don't understand the problems with policing or acknowledge that policing in this country does not work. First, it does not lower crime. We spend more money on on police, uh, the institutional policing, than we do on getting people service or fed or housed in this country. And I think we see the repercussions of that every time a black person has an interaction with the biased cop. Yes, absolutely. A white Starbucks manager has been awarded $25 million in a racial discrimination lawsuit. Yeah, you heard right. Um, she won her $25 million and this was in the wake of, I believe this video that we've all seen this instance in 2018 where two black men who are waiting for a third person in their group to arrive were arrested inside Starbucks and asked to leave outside of, I believe it's Philadelphia, just double checking that. And we all remember that, let's just go to a video of that to jog your memory. No longer, no Protesters calling for justice today. After the arrests of two black men at this Philadelphia Starbucks on Thursday. This video captured by a witness's cell phone shows police talking and later handcuffing the men while they were waiting for a friend. The men wanted to use the restroom, but the manager said that per store policy, they couldn't since they didn't buy anything. When they wouldn't leave, she called police. A group of males refused to leave. Some witnesses say the officers overreacted. They were just sitting there quietly, sitting on their phones, like chatting, like just like everyone else in Starbucks was. Philadelphia's police commissioner says the officers didn't do anything wrong. They followed policy, they did what they were supposed to do. The men who don't want to be identified by name were held in custody for eight hours before they were released. Prosecutors didn't file charges, but their defense lawyer says this wasn't about the law, it was about bias. So that was the context and that case played out in its own way. I believe those men were awarded damages for all that, but it was an incredibly awful story if you're Starbucks, right? Turns out that in the wake of that, they seem to have fired a couple of regional managers. And this woman, let's put up her picture here. She was also one of the people, her name is Shannon Phillips, who was fired in the wake of that sort of incredible instance of real racial discrimination. And she's claiming she was fired because she was white and that Starbucks just wanted to fire white managers. The New Jersey jury, however, said she was right. They returned a verdict of $25.6 million, including $25 million for punitive damages, $600,000 for compensatory damages, according to the console Mariaki Law, which represents Phillips. The jury ruled unanimously after a six day trial, the lawyer said, noting that Phillips will also be seeking back pay and front pay. Starbucks said it is disappointed in the decision and is evaluating next steps, spokesperson JC Anderson told CNN. So let's just look at the lawsuit before I kick it to you, Mondale. So her complaint, 2019 complaint says that after the arrest, Starbucks quote, took steps to punish white employees who had not been involved in the arrest, but who worked in and around the city of Philadelphia in an effort to convince the community it had properly responded to the incident. Phillips, who at the time oversaw areas including Philadelphia, said that Starbucks had ordered her to place a white employee on administrative leave as part of these efforts due to the alleged discriminatory conduct, which Phillips said she knew was inaccurate. So she thinks her subordinate was not being discriminatory. Starbucks says you got to put them on administrative leave. 
She says no, she tries to defend the employee and the company fires her. The reason for termination according to the complaint was that the situation is not recoverable. The complaint argued that this was a quote pretext for racial discrimination, adding that Phillips's race was a motivating and or determinative factor in discriminatory treatment. I am very curious, Mondell, what you think about this. Does she have any kind of point given that we know that corporations can be ham fisted? What are your thoughts on this? Listen, I I, um, I have no no uh, feeling of sadness for Starbucks losing $25 million. I don't <laughs> care at all. The coffee is bad, over roasted beans. And on top of that, they have a racist history of being Starbucks. So that I'm not upset about. The idea though that this woman who is in charge of everybody in her region, refusing to put this person who called the police on these black men um, uh, on, on, on leave, or suspend this person is absolutely grounds for termination. And I'm not saying it just because this because of these these two men were black. I'm saying it because if you are over this entire region and you have a public crisis like Starbucks had at that moment, you have an obligation to protect the the company. And she right. did not do that. And I, and I'm not saying at the will of employees, but if an employee called the police on black people in the context of America, you have to know exactly what that is. I mean, you would never see two white women sitting in Starbucks on their phone getting the police called on them. This is just what it is. Yeah, no, I wanted to clarify, and it doesn't change your point, but that this the the person that she was asked to put on administrative leave was not the person that called the police on those two black men, but it was in the region that she oversaw, and there was this was another count of someone who had been acting in a racially biased way or racist way. We don't know the context of that. We don't know what happened. You know, and my instinct is like, I think it's great she stood up for if she thought it was wrong. But my other instinct is like, eh, there was probably a number of complaints about that person. And she should have just, it's not like she had to fire them, right? So my real sticking point with this is calling it racial discrimination. And the way, the twisted way that our justice system in the year 2023 has been used now by white people to claim that they are victims of what has historically been an anti-black, anti-people of color system. And all the laws that were set up to protect and create more equality. Um, that's where I don't like this. That's where this feels incredibly bad faith. But look, a jury decided that she was you know, deserving of that. And maybe Starbucks did kind of just you know, fire it. At will, who knows, we might never know. I did just want to give Starbucks a word. They said they denied those claims at the time. And they said in a 2021 court filing after the incident that senior members, leaders and members of the partner resources all observed Miss Phillips, again, this is the manager, demonstrate a complete absence of leadership during this crisis. Phillips, the company argued, appeared overwhelmed, lacked awareness of how critical the situation had become. Phillips's manager ultimately decided to dismiss her because, quote, strong leadership was essential during that time, which there you have it, right? It's like you're in the region, you oversee one of these franchises, you should probably step up and you're not stepping up. We're gonna have to let you go. What do you think about that? Uh, they call it overwhelm. I call it just being white. Like I mean, this is whiteness. <laughs> this is the protection of whiteness, right? Like the idea is what it goes back. Starbucks statement goes back to exactly what I said. You are in a time of crisis, and you have to you have to act as if you were in crisis mode. And it seemed that she didn't, but the jury thought that it deserved her twenty five point six million dollars. Yeah, I mean. The precedent this is going to set for you know future 
white managers <laughs> to, to cry racial discrimination, it's pretty huge. So again, no love for Starbucks, but um, wow, 25 million. Uh, it's not as much, I believe, as the gentlemen who were actually racially discriminated against in the Starbucks received, but close. Look, most people when they steal classified documents as we all have, wait, what? No, most people, a few who've been accused of taking classified documents are immediately held. They're not released, they are told they are not free. The FBI comes knocking at their door. We know what happened to people like Reality Winner and others who even mistakenly took classified documents. Then you have former President Donald Trump, who again this week was arraigned on 37 counts, who immediately launched into a campaign mode Trump because he was not held until his trial, not held. Instead, he was fundraising. That's right. He had a quote, candlelight dinner. Yeah, candlelight dinner to fundraise for Trump 2024. Top donors and campaign bundlers paid at least $1,000 to be at that dinner, which we all know was nothing but filet of fish and cold fries. Um, the Trump campaign also, just some stats here, raised, raked $4.5 million in digital fundraising since the news of Trump's indictment. The campaign announced they brought in 6.6 .6 million overall. While Trump's campaign has mostly relied on small dollar grassroots donors, the fundraiser, which had a goal of raising around 2 million, demonstrates how Trump has still been able to rely on deep pocketed supporters to fill his campaign coffers even amid his legal troubles. They haven't said exactly how much money Trump raised in the aftermath of his indictment, but it planned to make those numbers public following the attention for his arraignment and a wave of fundraising pleas from his campaign. So yeah, it's helping his presidential run among some people. And interestingly, and that this is what I think is the most important Mondale to remember is a lot of donors who don't wanna be out in front. They're not on the nightly news, they're not the Liz Cheney's, they're not the Adam Kissingers are not even, you know, the the um, Chris Christie's trying to run for president, or the Mike Pence's who are like, for shame, Trump, for shame. No, no, they're quiet. They're behind closed doors, and yeah, they still want to give to the top dog fascist <laughs> that they think has the best chance of making sure that this country descends fully into some sort of authoritarian regime. We we are we are watching something that is un, that is. Absolutely remarkable. We're watching Trump make a mockery of anything that we call our justice system. And while he's doing it, he's getting richer. Like his campaign is getting richer. On the two indictments from just this year, Trump has raised like 12, 19 million dollars. 12 million from the first one, seven from this one. That is unbelievable for me to hear that Americans are still throwing money. Republicans, the party of Christian values, are still throwing money behind someone that all that looks like a thug, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, this is supposed to be the party of law and order. So we know now that the Republican Party is not the party of law and order. They're the party of supporting Trump by any means necessary. And it is absolutely scary. So much so that what we're learning is Trump might be a president facing jailhouse time and White House time. Like, I mean, he may win. <laughs> if, if it keeps going like this and Biden keeps doing what he's doing, we may have a Trump presidency in an orange suit that matches makeup. There you go, it'll be the first White House arrest ever. I mean, look, who knows? Could any of us have predicted? I mean, we all kind of thought this was the way the entire Trump presidency was gonna go, you know? Um, but like, 
hey, the future is yet unwritten. Writers are on strike and reality is far crazier than anything they could dream up. So why not a White House arrest? Um, as a reminder, of course, um, Trump was at the courthouse on Tuesday in Miami and he pled not guilty. Him and his stooge to federal criminal charges. He squirreled away classified documents and military secrets at his club in Palm Beach, stood in the way of efforts by the government to retrieve sensitive documents, and of course faces 37 felony charges, 31 counts of willful retention of national security records, and six counts for allegedly obstructing the federal effort to recover those documents. I want to say again, reality winner took one document, one document, shared it with one news outlet. And got three years in prison. All right. Donald Trump took however many thousands of documents in the dozens of boxes stored in all kinds of ungodly places in Mar a Lago, and he showed them to writers, his staff, rando like Trump PAC donors, the people who are now shelling out a lot of money for him still, showed it to anyone who wanted to see what's in his boxes. And he is free, you guys. He is free to gin up even more racist violence as we speak. Like as they're like, oh, we're gonna we're we're calling the militias. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, January 6th is gonna look like a walk in the park. That's those that's verbatim what his followers are saying. So it's just so funny, Mondale. We're in this moment where everyone's like, oh, do you think he's gonna get equal treatment? Should he get equal treatment? It's like he's already getting preferential treatment incredible preferential treatment at the you know and and at our detriment usually we lock up nonviolent drug offenders because it's like well they're a danger to the community trump's out there basically calling militias to his back talk about a danger to the community I mean, where, where's, where's the cash bail? Where, where's the bail bondsman uh, association? Why are they not upset that Trump isn't sitting in jail and have to pay them some type of money? The idea that we are holding poor people and this man who can afford anything without even a bail left to walk out on his own reconnaissance. We can't trust Trump's reconnaissance. It's absolutely disgusting. The fact that Trump is free right now is a slap in the face to anyone who believes American democracy exists. Yes. All right, we got to take our first break. A lot more stories on the other side of this. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Indisputable. I'm Francesca Fiorentini in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. A few comments from the lovely members and commenters on Twitch and YouTube. Michael Hinson, thank you for your super chat saying more examples of police shooting and asking questions later. Yeah, and also expressing regret immediately like, oh, I hope. They said, you know, I hope someone needs, they did chest compressions. They said, pray for this boy. You shot him. You could have avoided this by not shooting him. Um, a couple other comments over here from our members um, saying about the Starbucks manager. Often when a black employee complains about racist behavior in the workplace, they must have audio or video proof of multiple offenses. What did this woman have but her word? Exactly, um, and then Trump on raising all that money. So sad they're still gullible, loyal idiots out there that would give his dispensable, this dispensable man money only to be lied to, left for dead and left bankrupt. Oh Well, remember that saying a lot about a fool. Remember the saying about a fool and his money. I don't know that saying, maybe because I am a fool without a lot of money. However, this is a president, a former president who has been actively duping his followers when they click a thing to make sure that those are recurring payments time and time again, 
right? We've seen like the Trump campaign actually try and fool their own followers. Like click, unclick if you don't want to give all of your life savings to the Trump campaign. And they're like, what? <laughs> uh, endless. Um, and then over on YouTube, Michael Copeland uh, with a reminder to end qualified immunity, make each officer personally liable. And then Dr. Doom, any cop who says light him up is not a public servant. No, if that comes out of your mouth, yeah, we'll light your job up. All right, let's jump into everyone's favorite segment. I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Bridget, you can't do this without their permission. It's unacceptable. It's not the council, it's about the people who are grieving. You can't do this. It's not your responsibility, it's not your space. What are you going to say about that? What are you saying? What are you doing? Why do you think it's acceptable to do this? What are you gonna do with the cards and the wine? What are you gonna do with the cards and the wine? You wait and see what I'm gonna do with the cards. What are you gonna do with them? You wait and see. No, I'm, I'm gonna phone up some of the people and put those cards there. It's not for you to do. Oh, banging on that phone pole she is, she's mad. <laughs> that is an English Karen for once. Nice to know that we have some friends across the pond there, um, some tattletales, some busy bodies across the pond. Dismantling a memorial, uh, we don't know what the memorial's for. It appears to be um, one that you see out on a street, maybe for someone who uh, died in a traffic accident or on their bicycle, or maybe someone who lived in that home, we don't know. Know, but a man is um, going up to her and saying, Bridget, he clearly knows her. What are you doing? What are you gonna do with the cards? And she says, it's about the council. I'm feeling, Mondale, and you're a mayor, that this is some local politics. This is maybe a council member. This is maybe someone he knows. She feels she's been deputized to dismantle a memorial that with still fresh flowers out there. Uh, this is just a reminder that power is more important than humanity. This is absolutely disgusting. We, these flowers are still fresh, the daisies are still tall, the paper's still crisp, and she's literally throwing them away. People are, it was someone in the background screaming, they are absolutely mourning. Like, why are yeah. you doing this? I mean, what kind of, if you have been elected at this moment, they should start re uh, unelecting you at this moment. This is beyond ridiculous. Someone in that space either lost their life or, like you said, lived there, and some people were trying to honor that person's life. And this yeah. woman was not having it. I don't know if she didn't like the person or she just didn't damn it care. Either way, she was going to get rid of those beautiful flowers to make sure that people weren't mourning there anymore. What is she going to do with the cards and the wine? She's like, oh, you'll see what I'm going to do. I'm going to drink it. And read the cards and laugh. Like, what is, what are you gonna do, Bridget? Honey, you just, you leave that there respectfully, right? I mean, it's, it is also, you're like, don't people have hobbies? Whatever happened to crochet, bike riding, whatever happened to taking a stroll on a park? Like, I feel like we have become so 
nosy in the worst way possible. It's like that being neighborly is not about, you know, being friendly and baking things for your friend and you know, your neighbors and like, you know, cleaning up, but like she thinks she's cleaning up by actually destroying someone's way of memorializing a loved one they lost. It's just and many people, that wasn't just you're not talking about like, you know, one person. There were a lot of people who left different bouquets out there out there. Ridiculous. Anyway, um, more ridiculousness uh, because of course, Indisputable is gonna chase them all down and make them answer. A man in British Columbia is under investigation for harassing a nine year old girl at a track meet because he thought she was trans. Why? Because she had short hair. That's right, put up the picture again, there he is, um, it was, June 8th that this man um, accosted a nine year old at this track meet. The girl was competing in discus and shot put at an event when her mother says this older man stepped out of a crowd and accused the pixie haired girl of being a boy. Um, uh, his, her mother's name is Heidi Starr, here's a photo of her. Um, and a gentleman stepped out of the crowd went and, who, and said something like, hey, this is a girl's event, why are boys throwing? Then realizing his confusion, which of course that must have sucked, just sort of dawning on, oh, this rando thinks that my daughter is a boy. Um, Star tried to explain that her daughter, one of two he believed were boys, was a girl. But she says he dismissed her and insisted that they were both either boys or transgender. Quote, at the time his wife, so the guy's wife started yelling that my ex-wife and I, parents of the daughter and other parents of trans kids were genital mutilators and groomers. And the man himself began demanding to see a certificate proving my daughter was born a girl, Star said. Star said that the exchange shook her daughter to the core. Um, and there's more that she was inconsolable, that she was sobbing all night and she, <laughs> Felt incredibly, imagine a grown ass dude at your track meet yelling at you because they think you're trans. Which again, if she were trans would absolutely not be okay. But this is where we're at, Mondale, this is where we've, this is where we're at. And I just wanna give you his name, the guy's name is Joseph Tesar. That's the muscle man who wants to see everyone's genitals right there, Joseph. No, his name is Ass, and, <laughs> and, and that's all he is. Like, I, honestly, I, I listen. First of all, I don't know if people know this or not. I am not Martin Luther King. I do not believe in turning the other cheek. If I was out there, <laughs> I would have did a spinning kick, whatever wrestling move would have came to mind. Figure four, something. This is someone's nine-year-old child in front of other kids. Sometimes kid can be extremely cruel. That means she's going, she's going to go to school, and people are going to remind her that hey. That muscle man think you are a boy. This is yeah. absolutely disgusting. Someone should remind him like of how painful it should be to say stupid stuff like this. The problem with this is this behavior, this unchecking asses has led to this. You're in a nine year old competition, nine year old competition. Everybody should be jovial. Everybody, mm -hmm. and you're worried, you're so big and so worried about a nine year old child's gender that I'm questioning you right now. Like, are you, are you the groomer, sir? Yes, absolutely, uh, but no, 
In fact, he defended himself, Mondale. If you can believe it, you know, this is the thing about Karens and Kevins and transphobes in general, is that they double down when they get caught being horrible because they still think they're in the right. They still think they're entitled to yell at a child. So in a phone interview with CTV News Vancouver, Taysar denies berating Star and her daughter, although he says that he asked an official privately whether the event was co-ed. Based on his 17 year experience of coaching kids, he didn't think she was a girl, he says. Quote, I saw her and in my mind, my gut feeling, I just thought it's a boy. Oh, thank you, gender police. Oh, thank you, sir. You know what? We should create a whole show. You know, it's like Caesar the dog whisperer, but you. You know, Tesar, the Joseph, the gender whisperer. You know, you'll just go around to like little kids sporting events. You'll be like, that's a boy, that's a girl. You're just a really lovable guy. It'll go on Netflix, it'll be streaming. You'll make a lot of money. Amazing. You know, pay for your spray tans. My God, the way, the way these people feel entitled to double down. But sadly for Joseph, um, Netflix is not calling. In fact, uh, the Canadian Mounted Police in Kelowna are investigating the incident. The superintendent for the Central uh, Okanagan Public Schools, which hosted the sporting competition, said Tuesday that they were in the process of banning Tesar from all school properties and events. But I'm sure that Jesse Waters of Fox News will have you on any day, sir, to talk about how the woke uh, the anti-woke crusade has reached Canada proudly and valiantly. Mondale, these are men who I think have been like radicalized by like Facebook and Fox News, and they're just taking it upon themselves again to be the gender police. Yeah, I think you know what I think you know as as much as I I, I want to pile on with Facebook and, and and Fox News, you know I think these guys always existed, right? I and mean, we just see it more now because it's so we're so digital. The problem though is they don't grow. It seems as if this number is growing, mm -hmm. and now we're not talking about people in public. We're not talking about people in bars, other adults. You're at a kids event. Who let you around their kids for 17 years? How many kids have you ruined over those that period? I am so glad they're banning this man. He needs to be banned, not just from this sporting event, but from this planet. And if I had a can of mm. Budweiser, I'd pour it all over him. <laughs> no, this is definitely a guy who normally goes to children's track meets and just yells like, you're running like a girl, you know, like that. Like he definitely says that. Um, Anyway, we have to take our second break. So much more to come on Indisputable. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Indisputable. Francesca Fiorentini in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. A lot more show, good stuff. But first, the best stuff, which of course are your comments. TYT member Trista saying, Grim Reaper Karen. You know, there's a Karen for every situation, truly. Um, and on the same topic, Mr. Rock on YouTube, she is a garbage human. Whenever I see those, I always send well wishes for the family. Yeah, yeah, you always, you like, you have a moment, right? You see them, you have a moment, you remember. And often, if it's on the street, it's because that area is incredibly dangerous. That multiple people have died there, right? Whether in their cars or on bicycles or just pedestrians. And so, anyway, don't get me started on like how a lot of these things are not actually accidents, they could be fixed. So it's good to have those that remembrance there. Um, 
I don't remember this quote from the movie, but Snack Panther says, was this Karen from Coming to America? Who's gonna clean up these flowers? I don't remember that. Mondel, I don't remember that part, but I need to watch it again. Yeah, so that's my favorite movie. And that's when they, <laughs> after the barbershop, when they, they threw flowers when the king was coming through. Who's gonna clean these flowers up? <laughs> I love that, yeah. Karen from, from the UK will. Karen will, she should, oh, we should reinsert her into that scene. I'm doing it, I'll tell you what I'll do with the wine and the, and the cards. <laughs> If someone could make that, that would be great. Um, and then my favorite comment on Twitch over here, Fascist Killer says, these are just trashy people that can't stand up, can't stand someone's being remembered when they're dead because no one cares for them while they're alive. <sighs> She's like, I know no one's gonna put flowers on my <laughs> at my gravestone. So uh, anyway, I love these comments. You guys are the best, keep them coming. We'll be reading them more, um, but let's, Launch in to this, this one is insane. A former morgue manager of the Harvard Medical School, Cedric Loge, has been charged with selling body parts, heads, brains, skulls, bones, and other human remains without the knowledge, of course, of the Harvard Medical School or of the families of the deceased. So here he is walking out of the courtroom being asked, what does he think about the families whose loved ones he dismembered and he doesn't have anything to say. I'm not touching you, get out of my way. Mr. Lodge, some of those families have called us horrified, wondering if it was their loved ones. Do you have anything you want to say to them? Cedric Loge, uh, here's a photo of him and the Harvard Medical School, very prestigious. Um, not so much anymore, uh, more on him. He is a 63 year old, um, sorry, Loge's 63 year old wife also, this is more background. His wife, Denise, and two alleged buyers, 44 year old Katrina McLean of Salem, 46 year old Joshua Taylor of West Lawn, Pennsylvania, were also charged in the indictment released Wednesday. The Loges appeared in federal court in Concord, New Hampshire Wednesday afternoon, that's graphic two. Um, and then graphic three, this is again, one of the buyers, McLean, appeared in a federal court in Boston Wednesday afternoon, where she was charged with transporting stolen goods within and without of state lines. The maximum sentence for this is 10 years, but she was let go by the judge since this is a nonviolent offense, but she'll have to report in court in Pennsylvania at some point. I mean. On the topic of an unequal justice system, we just got done talking about Donald Trump getting away with, you know, showing people classified documents that he kept. Um, meanwhile, people accused of petty crimes, a small amount of marijuana possession, are still being held, awaiting their trials, awaiting, you know, uh, all you know, everything that ha is happening to them. Oh, I'm just selling body parts. Oh, you can go free. Yeah, that's fine. You just go, we don't need to hold you, no. My God, my God. Okay, so I just wanna, here, here's a picture of uh, of one of the people who've been charged. I believe this is McLean, Katrina McLean. She, and this is important to know about her, on the right there, that's her door to, this is a little creepy, her store that is called Cat's Creepy Creations. And the FBI started searching that store back in March. She's been accused of selling and storing human remains at that shop. But that's fine, you could go, 
you could go, <laughs> please go back to your creepy creations that definitely has a few basements with actual human body parts. This is wild. Um, there's a little bit more before I kick it to you, Mondale. Um, two others were also charged in this investigation. Apparently, a lot of people are selling, buying body parts. 52-year-old Matthew Lampy of East Bethel, Minnesota. 41-year-old Jeremy Pauley of Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. A seventh person, Candace Chapman Scott of Little Rock, Arkansas, was indicted earlier. She's accused of stealing and sell, selling body parts from a mortuary and crematorium. According to the criminal complaint, the object of conspiracy was to quote, profit from the interstate shipment, purchase and sale of stolen human remains. In one instance, prosecutors said McLean agreed to purchase two dissected faces for $600 from Cedric Loge in October 2020. Loge and his wife allegedly sold the body parts to McLean and Taylor and others. And sometimes shipped those remains through the United States Postal Service to Pennsylvania and elsewhere. Oh my God. You guys, this is not I'm selling vital organs that can be reused. I am, you know, helping someone live, giving them this is I'm selling skin, I'm selling bones. This is all gonna be someone's weird spirit Halloween knockoff, you know, like bizarre stuff. Mondale, Harvard, Harvard. You can get dissected faces for two for six hundred. <laughs> That's cheaper than Tom Ford cologne. <laughs> I know wow, all the skincare that I put into my face. If they sell it for less than 300, ugh, wow. Here's the tragedy. This happens way more than we know. Like there's mm. a huge market for selling stolen body parts. Usually it's people in funeral homes um, that are doing this, right? Bad actors, and then when they get caught, they face long terms, 20 plus years. I think the last two people got caught, one in Colorado and then one in a southern state. So this is absolutely more normal than we would talk than we talk about regularly. Right. Uh, mainly because we think these people are treating our family, our, de our deceased family members with respect and dignity and putting their bodies in the place where we ask them to. Um, but no, they're selling body parts through UPS next day air. I think this is absolutely crazy to me. Uh, the fact that these people are walking around the street, all of you should be held without bond. And then they call it a nonviolent offense. How is this not violent? Yeah, it's not physical violence to a human, but there's all types of forms of violence and stealing body parts has to classify as violent. Absolutely. You know, interestingly, and a little bit of an aside, I did a story on um, donating your body to science for National Geographic Explorer, right? And we actually learned exactly as you're saying that, you know, it is difficult to procure bodies, you know, cadavers to even like medical schools have difficulty when, you know, every pre med student has to dissect a human body. You know, that's part of it. They have to understand anatomy. It's not easy. And, you know, in like, old times, oftentimes we would experiment on prisoners. So I guess we're making strides, but still there is, it's bizarre that a market like this exists. It, it is absolutely disgusting and that this was going on underneath the noses of the Harvard deans, we're gonna talk about it in a second. But I just wanna say like, it, there should not be a market for this because there is a way to donate, you know, bodies and to lovingly treat if we actually honor the dead, treat those bodies. For example, like, you know, in the story that I did, after the medical school is done with the dissection, this was at the University of Pennsylvania, they actually hold a wake. They hold a ceremony for the families thanking them for donating their bodies so that they could learn more about the human body and human anatomy. You know, that's not what this is. And 
oh my god, like can we can we 3D print stuff? Is that good enough? What was going on? But let's here's a picture of the deans. Harvard uh, Harvard Medical School deans, they said they expressed their moral, uh, they were morally re- reprehensible. Um, they reported incidents are a betrayal. And most importantly, each of the individuals who altru- altruistically chose to willingly um, to will their bodies to HMS through the anatomical gift program to advance medical education research. So exactly, these are the people I'm talking about. And this is happening under their, I mean, when you say you want to donate your body to science, you don't mean I then want my loved one's body or my body to be sold to some weirdos, creepy, crawly Halloween store. Anyway, it's I I, I don't know. Any any final thoughts? I I I listen, we for the comfort of those two white men, at least they know if they get fired by Harvard, they're gonna get twenty-five point six million dollars from a jury, probably. <laughs> Racial discrimination. <laughs> oh, just don't, just don't do that. Don't do that. You can make a weird mask. Learn how to create something out of paper mache. Whatever happened to that? Bitch! And she just assaulted me and spat in my face. What did you do to my car? What did you do to my car? That's not mine. That's mine. You stupid idiot. Hello? Stupid psycho. You're finding stuff in the street and you're coming to say it's mine? Does the neighbor have cameras? Yes! Yes, they have. I hope they are Jewish and you see how they're going to fuck you. Oh, yes, they are Jewish. They are my people. Don't run, don't run, stay here. Stay, stay here. They are my own people. So once again, we have another instance of somebody being feeling very, very entitled. In this case, feeling very entitled to parking in front of somebody's driveway. And when asked to move, of course, they are responded to with just a racist backlash, which is something that like, I think we need to talk about more broadly, which is specifically anti-Asian racism and how that has like greatly escalated, especially since coronavirus pandemic. You obviously had Donald Trump that like called it the China virus and stoked all of these like, you know, anti-Asian sentiments. And that led unfortunately to a huge increase against like hate crimes against anti against Asian Americans. And then on top of that, you have that continuing with all of the fear mongering about TikTok to the point where now in Florida, they actually are like trying to pass this bill. Republicans are that would quite literally ban like Chinese Americans from owning property. And so you just see this pattern of like all of this like entitlement 
and this racism. And it's just been this continuous escalation that we've seen. And it's one of those things where the political reality that like these politicians talk about spewing all of this hatred and vitriol and xenophobia translates very directly into these individual behaviors that we see people engage in on the streets. I mean, quite literally, all of this like care and content comes from people who are just sort of echoing the same sort of racist sentiments, the same sort of entitlement that they're being told by these right wing politicians, which really comes down to this like solipsism that I think a lot of the right wing has bought into, just this idea that they're the main character, right? That they're the most important person. And anything they do, even if they know it's wrong, is justified because you know they're the most important person. So their reasoning must be the reason that, that is the one that makes perfect sense and makes everything totally acceptable. And anybody that challenges them or asks them to slightly change their behavior in any way, to ask them to maybe be mindful of another person, and all of a sudden they will like you know they will you know uh go on these breakdowns and like just like completely lash out and anybody around them to ask them to have a teeny bit of empathy and of course that is where you're going to see people begin to also then like start pushing like these same like racist things and stuff and so unfortunately this is another instance of just Somebody very much putting their entitlement on display, putting their racism on display, but it also speaks to this greater trend across the country that we are seeing of anti-Asian racism and a lot of very public hatred of like Asian folks in the United States. And it's one of those things that very much we need to make sure that we are holding elected Republicans responsible for pushing these same narratives. And unfortunately, elected Democrats too, because there were a lot of Democrats that very much jumped on the bandwagon of both trying to blame China for the coronavirus and uh, and fear mongering about TikTok as well, because it's just kind of politically convenient. And so uh, <laughs> that's uh, just another care and I guess showing off how entitled and racist so many Americans unfortunately are. All right, let's let's move on because there is something even maybe as weird. Um, a playground in Massachusetts uh, apparently has acid on the slides. Excuse me, what? Yeah, children have been suffering burns after going down the slides at a playground. According to fire officials, the playground equipment was doused in acid and they were called to what is called Bliss Park in Longmeadow after reports of suspicious substances on that very playground. The fire department determined the acidic material had been poured on three of the slides of the playground, the release said. Officials learned that the pump room in the basement of the park's pool building had been broken into. So the perpetrators climbed two fences entered the pool building through a ventilation shaft, which was found with its cover torn off. Officials said the shaft led to a room where chemicals used to operate the pool were stored. Um, graphic three, the hazmat team determined that the muriatic acid was the chemical that was poured on the slides. Muriatic acid, which is used to clean and disinfect pools can call, cause severe chemical burns, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Officials said that the pool chemicals had been properly stored in the secured area and that a great deal of effort was employed to enter the space. The public now is asking to call in with tips if anyone noticed anything suspicious. Um, but kids, this is the scene. Here is uh, ambulance, I believe. Um, at the scene of it, uh, the police crime lab of Massachusetts is gathering evidence and sent it for forensic analysis and fingerprinting. Town officials hired a contractor to clean the play space. The fire department said all hazardous materials have been cleaned. The playground remains fenced off. 
out of an abundance of caution, but the rest of the park is open. Man, I remember going on slides and just being afraid of getting shocked, you know, because they're all like plastic. And if you touch anyone, your, your hairs like stands up, really, like, I don't want to get shocked. Acid. These poor kids, that's awful. And and like, I don't even know who does this. Like, I feel like even 13-year-old kids who are bored to tears wouldn't do this. This is a long way to go to burn children. I'm not sure. I'm surely, of course, the Republicans will make a big deal about it because you know they believe in the safety of kids, right? No, that's just reserved if you're gay. Then they're concerned. Yeah, this is this is a disturbing story, and I mean, the, the like you said, the effort put into this makes me believe someone knew where this acid was and knew exactly what they were doing. I hope they're investigating everybody that knew where this acid. I am hydrochloric acid is extremely that's it's labeled a strong acid, right? Right. This, and this is this is so scary to me. You're out there. This is a colorless substance. You got your kids out there playing, and they're just sliding down slides, and there's acid on them. There's acid on them. I, I would be terrified in the entire community. Also, where where's the rest of that acid? What's the next spot where kids <laughs> will be and interact with this acid? This is scary to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. This is one of those like, it makes you can't read too many of these because then you're like, don't go. I never go to a playground. There's things, you know. And as a new mom, I'm like, ah, you know. But I'm very lax. I'm like five second rule. It's all good. Someone falls on the ground, yeah, pick it up, put it in her mouth. It's not a big deal. Now I'm gonna be like mm, freaking out, you know. To say nothing of the amount of like random chemicals kids are exposed to anyway. Now you got weirdos putting acid on the. Well, we will see. We will see this. There might be a podcast coming very soon about the great slide acid destroyer. I don't know. We're going to work on the name of it. This is bizarre. Um, let's uh, take our another break real quick. Are we breaking? We're going to another story. Let's take a break, you guys. We'll be back. Welcome back to Indisputable, Francesca Fiorentini in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie. And some of your comments before we jump into the last portion of our show. Um, over um, on TYT members, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon member for 12 months says medical schools need bodies because often they will show pathology that you cannot see on plasticine models. That's what happened with my mom's body. That's that's huge. I mean, like to donate your body or your mom's body, that's like Again, there's a reason that there are memorials and wakes and services honoring the people who do that. It is not, it's not an easy thing, um, and it helps folks learn how to save other lives. So that's huge. So thank you for writing in um, about about all this, though. Kate uh, and Dragon, a TYT member, says, "Talk about asking for a haunting." Honestly. You sell my face, I'm haunting you for life. And Kyle CH says, "It might not be violent, but it is vile." Yeah. It is um, over on Twitch. <laughs> uh, Live eighteen white girl says he's not doing a good job of hiding his face. <laughs> he's just like a little piece of paper. <laughs> like, uh, I'm invisible now. Uh, them runny egg says, "Lol, is that a black big market? Who's buying this? Not quite the Father's Day gift I was looking forward to. No, <laughs> like I got you a human hand. Ugh. Although, let's be real, you can't. That's you know, unique. It's different. No other dad will have gotten that. No. Um, 
Nightmare 316 uh, member on Twitch says, I remember when the slides were metal and hot AF. <laughs> you have to always like, people also like sit on, you sit on a little towel, that helps. And you go way faster when you're on a towel. So yeah, metal, yeah, metal was hot, it's true. Um, Fiddlin' Nero says, I hope they took note of the people just hanging around the playground. Um, AFAIK, what does that mean? The people that do this kind of stuff want to see the results of their actions. Um, yeah, they do. No, it's amazing to me also that we're in a time where like every single playground you're not allowed to go into unless you also have a kid. Um, but then t day after day, Republicans are constantly and weirdos and creeps are are like yelling at children for having short haircuts and accusing them of being trans. Remember that, you know, it's like why don't we keep parents or people without kids from kids sports in general? Way too much interest in kids sports. In fact, that man Joseph, no proof that he had a kid involved in anything. He was just there. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for your chats. Uh, there's a lot more or a little bit more important stories to come. Beginning with this, um, we all know that Medicaid coverage expanded under COVID. Because of the national pandemic, there was a pause on kicking people off of this much needed healthcare service that um, allows low income pregnant women, children, and the disabled to access care uh, at little or no cost. Medicaid covers millions of people around this country. But now, because COVID is no longer a pandemic, um, by declared by the federal government, and all the money in Congress and the Senate has completely dried up, treating it as a pandemic. That means that this extra money for Medicaid is going away. And that means that people are being kicked off of their health insurance. So many red states are kicking people off of their insurance. But the one state that is just truly leaving everyone else in the dust when it comes to being cruel is, there you are, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas has kicked off 140,000 recipients of Medicaid since April as Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders is following what former governor Asa Hutchinson was doing as well. Um, and they're going to finish the redetermination process in just six months, which is a fancy way of saying we're going to take away people's health care uh, and leave them without any care. Again, the most vulnerable folks, the folks who need it the most. Um, while all states, and this is from Politico, are removing people from their Medicaid roles, several Republican states appear to be moving at breakneck speed. No state is moving as quickly though as Arkansas, where Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has embraced her predecessor's plan to complete the work in about half the time other states are taking. An aim many fear will lead to eligible people mistakenly losing coverage. Seven in 10 Arkansans who have lost their coverage have been dropped for procedural or administrative reasons, according to state figures. That means the government hasn't determined someone makes too much money to qualify for Medicaid. Rather, the person failed to respond to a letter or provide extra information to renew their coverage. In some cases, people are losing coverage because of system glitches. So one of those people, um, Susan Kalpiner, who is actually works in this field, Outreach and Patient Services Coordinator for Mid-Delta Health Systems, Federally Qualified Health Center in Clarendon said, 50 or 60 of the clinic's patients have lost coverage in the last two year, two months, excuse me. 50 or 60 have lost in the in last two months. Some days she said, it's been too much to handle. Um, now this is, I, I just wanna explain, and if we don't know already, it is already um, 
a hall of mirrors to qualify for something like Medicaid. There have been many stories of new moms, right? Or pregnant women, people who become eligible for Medicaid to be kicked off because they were making too much money to qualify. So they are stuck in the middle of this sort of like space time continuum of our you know, social programs. They make too much money to qualify, but not enough money to pay for healthcare on the so-called marketplace under the Affordable Care Act, which is again, not at all affordable. So that's what Medicaid's already doing. Now they're saying, oh no, you still qualify. You don't make enough money, you could still qualify. But you just didn't turn in the paperwork on time. Oh, okay, guess we're saving. I mean, Mondale, you're a mayor. Um, the way the 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 incredible crassness by which this is carried out by Governor Huckabee Sanders and other Republican governors just is that any way to take care of your own citizens? Well, I mean, not even your own citizens. I mean, you you tell me you're a party of. God principles, morals, right? And then I remember Jesus saying, what you do for the least amongst these, you do for me. I don't know how they reconcile this unless they don't really have a, they must have a different Jesus. And it's about corporation Jesus, right? I mean, like the idea, the idea that Arkansas being one of the poorest states in the country and want to be the fastest at kicking people off of Medicaid is telling me that you want to kill people faster than Texas, right? And this is absolutely disgusting. And we have to rectify the fact that in the Delta, where where these people are, where Clarendon is, we see some of the poorest people, which means they're probably a transient population. So you probably send a letter to an address that's no longer their address anymore, and you're kicking these people off people appointments are literally being canceled canceled so it's not enough that you're taking women's access away but now you're going to take medicaid away from the people that need it the most and right now in this country there are about 90 million people who will be you know reviewed to see if they still qualify and something like this 7 out of 10 aren't even because you don't qualify is because of something procedural or administrative. That is tacky to me. That should be illegal. This is this is the government, this is state sponsored murder. This is yeah. what this is. And that's not hyperbole. Not at all. And and I think there are people watching who are on Medicaid. So I just want to say, you know, make sure to check your mail, double check, don't let them kick you off of it for some BS like this. It's all BS, right? In terms of, you know, um kicking folks off who you know make too much money, which again is still not enough to buy healthcare. They can't kick you off. So anyway, that's aside. But just you know, eyes open, everybody stay aware because don't let them take your healthcare coverage away. Um, ideally, under any circumstances, but under these ridiculous pretenses. Now, speaking of you know the breakneck speed, the Biden administration knew this was coming. They knew it was going to happen, especially when the when COVID was you know declared non-emergency. But this is CMS headquarters, uh, um, uh, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, to let you know that they're like, whoa, 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 whoa too fast, too much. What's going on? So um, the Biden administration has said, can you slow it down, red states? Um, CMS, however, is refusing to call out any state, and it's according to Politico. But they did hold a press conference Tuesday to warn states against moving too quickly and said the agency could pause disenrollments if it felt the process was rushed or sloppy. Then do it. Okay, this is a quote, we're urging and asking states to do everything in their power to keep eligible people covered. Daniel Sai, CMS Deputy Administrator and Director of the Center for Medicaid and CHIP Services told reporters on Tuesday. The announcement followed a Monday letter to governors from HHS Secretary Javier Becerra saying he was deeply concerned with the number of people losing coverage. Yeah, 
because Republicans are gonna Republican. And even though you got them to say they're not gonna touch Medicare because they need old people to vote, when it comes to poor people, no, they don't care. And they know who disproportionately the poor are in their states. They're black and brown people, so they're women, they're children. You know, it doesn't matter if they're children. Like Mondale said, uh, corporate Jesus doesn't care about children. Oh, unless those children need to be sent to meatpacking plants to work between, you know, uh, before they go to school and after they come back from school. Unless those children, because again, Governor Huckabee Sanders lowering the age of eligibility to work to, I don't know, what is it now? Like 14, 13, 12, who knows? Who knows? So they don't have health care. It is so cruel. I don't understand. <laughs> like, just one thing. And this is the thing, uh, Mondale, you know, in the wake, as you mentioned, of a lack of access to reproductive rights, a lack of access to abortion, you had a little whisper, right? There were like, you know, Marco Rubio was saying something, and other people, they were like, oh, well, maybe we'll expand health care to pregnant women. Maybe we'll get, kick people off of Medicaid. Like, Medicaid does expand coverage. And may I remind everyone that I believe 12 to 14 red states still haven't expanded Medicaid stipulated under the ACA because it's the ACA aka Obamacare. So they hate Obama still so much that they won't expand Medicaid to cover more people in their states. And by the by, guess who picks up the tag, the, the, the tab on that? The federal government. So the federal government is still offering them money that they're leaving on the table. So if you live in a red state right now, there is a huge chance that you still could qualify under the ACA's you know, suggested rules for Medicaid. But your governor and your senators are saying, nope, no, we still hate Obama in the year. What is it? How long has Obama been out of office? Oh, a couple, a little bit more, sorry, just to. Um, just in terms of those big numbers, I think Mondale was referencing um, as many as 15 million people, including 5 million children, are expected to lose Medicaid in the coming months. And what will be one of the largest shifts in the nation's healthcare landscape since the passage of the ACA? People should be concerned. This is not a way to run a system. I say that across the country and for any state, Sai said in an interview. Should we create a system that's complicated and difficult to follow? No, that should be an uncaveated answer. Hey, you know what's really simple and easy to follow? Medicare for all, universal coverage, the simplest. Mondale, how have we been told this pack of lies that somehow universal coverage is more bureaucratic than whatever the hell this is? Yeah, I mean, in Cuba, black people aren't losing their legs to diabetes. Cuba has had universal healthcare since 1973. Cuba, this country that Americans like to talk about how poor they are, but they got enough decency to make sure that everyone has access to healthcare. And in a country that is supposed to be the greatest country where flags fly higher than any other country, in a country where eagles fly upside down because it's too great <laughs> to poop on, we still see people dying because the governments refuse to give people healthcare, my ass. And and it's also so passive. Do you know what I mean? Like the way that the Biden administration is like, hey, we can you just slow it down a little bit? Maybe this is bad. Like, well, then do something. Then declare it an emergency. Say, I don't care that this that there is no more you know funding for research or whatnot. Just save one thing. We've learned nothing coming out of this pandemic. And the number one thing. I mean, look, I'm not a religious person. 
But if there was a sign from God that the United States of America needed, the richest country on earth needed universal health care, it was the COVID-19 pandemic. And we still can't even give limited health care to the people who need it the most. You don't care about pregnant women, you don't care about the poor, you don't care about children at all. Get the kids and children out of your mouth, you don't care about them because you won't give them the basic needs and services to just live a healthy life. Let's take our final break and when we come back a little bit more. Back here on Indisputable with me, Francesca Fiorentini. I'm also the host of the podcast, The Bituation Room. I hope everyone listens and follows me and the show at Franny Fio on YouTube. You know who you are, Frantifa. Come over, listen to the show. It's very fun. Have to get the plug in. Also, a YouTube comment that I love. Red Housewife says, and this is about Huckabee Sanders. She was too busy banning the word Latinx instead of taking care of the most vulnerable. Like, honestly. Oh, the priorities. Uh, Melanin Poppin' Dragon says on Twitch, we can't even write off medical expenses, but the rich can write off a yacht. Oh yeah, in a private plane, remember that was the Trump tax cuts. Uh, the uh, people indebted by student loans cannot declare bankruptcy either, remember that? That was fun. Uh, anyway, um, any any other, uh, <laughs> Michael Hinson, thank you so much, Oh wait. Yeah, Michael Hanson, thank you for your super chat. I grew up with metal slides and worried about the slide becoming hot after being exposed to the sun all day. Shouldn't have, kids shouldn't have to worry about acid. Yeah, no, too many things to worry about. You know, screaming, screaming non-dads telling you that you've got a short haircut. That, that was for an earlier story, but anyway, um, let, let's take it to this incredibly heartbreaking story. Um, we're now learning the cause of death of three-time Olympic runner um, Tori Bowie. Um, the medical examiner's office revealed that she died after complications with childbirth and that probably she had uh, eclampsia and respiratory distress associated with eclampsia. Uh, the autopsy report said Bowie was found in bed on May 2nd, 2023 at her home in Winter Garden, Florida. Orange County deputies went to her home to conduct a well-being check after she hadn't been seen or heard from in days. Once inside, deputies found Bowie dead in her home and noted no signs of foul play. The manner of death was listed as natural, but again, she was pregnant. She was eight months pregnant and she was 32 years old. She's an Olympic runner. She is in great health and health conditions. It looks like she died of Eclampsia, which is something that does happen to pregnant women when and it's a terrible condition and you have to check for it immediately. And yet in the United States of America in the year 2023, women, pregnant women and especially pregnant black women are not often checked, taken seriously, followed up with when they could possibly have conditions like eclampsia. Um, and sadly, Tori was yet another victim of uh, you know, a black maternal mortality rate that is far too high for a nation as rich and developed as we are. Um, I just want to read a statement from her friends and family. Tori was a champion, a beacon of light that shines so bright. We're truly heartbroken and our prayers are with the family, friends and everyone that loved her. Representative said in a statement shortly after her death. I mean, Mondale, this happens so much and to people um, as famous and more so than Tori um, Bowie. And 
nothing, what's changing here? How are we taking care of pregnant black women in a better way than we were yesterday? Which is the same, you know, it, we keep on hearing these stories. Yeah, and I mean, like what we're learning is if you're a black woman, regardless of how much resource or access to resource you have, you still run the risk of this happening to you. We, like you said um, during the break, we saw nurses doing COVID filming themselves because of the level of treat or lack of treatment they were receiving. We heard about uh, Serena Williams' story and how she almost lost her life during pregnancy. Beyonce, all of these are realities that we need to grapple with. The fact that out of every 100,000 pregnant black women, 69.9 will die in childbirth as if Abe Lincoln is still dealing with childbirth. This is ridiculous that those numbers are prehistoric and, and shouldn't be the case. So we sit in, a, in 2023 watching black women die because of lack of investment in healthcare in a way um, just like what we see in Arkansas. This is not a divorced situation and it is absolutely sad that we just lost an Olympic medalist um, in a case that we didn't have to. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, these are wanted pregnancies, right? Let's to say nothing of the ways that when you ban abortion, how you are dooming especially um you know, black and brown women to death. Uh let let let's put that aside and the lawsuits that are coming down the pike at people like Ron DeSantis. This is about people who want to be pregnant. And our the healthcare in this country and especially the way the system treats black women is such that, you know, there isn't there isn't enough care and it's not about look you could talk yes there is a higher percentage of black women who are pregnant who get eclampsia right and if you know that there's two minds you can say as i know a lot of republicans say well that's their fault well that's you know now that's just the way the natural no or if you have a heart if you believe people should survive and actually care about children and families you would say well, that means we have to take extra care and listen to black women who are pregnant. That means we have to do more checkups. We're gonna let's add a free new checkup. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, I'm just, I'm just look. We, you know, why don't you come back in? We're gonna draw your blood at twice. We're gonna. I, I was pregnant only recently, and man, the amount of blood work, the amount of stuff that you know they check in with you about. And then the other thing, as you mentioned, is God. Well, let's talk about it. You know. Serena Williams had to tell the doctors around her that something was wrong before they listened to her and and she had to demand you know that that they that she be looked into and lo and behold yeah things were not going well with her I mean luckily she survived but she nearly died I believe she was bleeding more than usual she knew something was wrong and if it takes that much to get someone to listen to, to you know a celebrity Imagine what everyday black women go through. And then to say nothing, and this has a lot to do with, you know, the ways that, you know, black people's pain is not seen as real pain. It's like, oh, I hear you talking about how how awful you feel. I don't know, I don't really believe it. I don't know why. Maybe it's not something to do with institutional racism. Insane. Uh, anyway, that that does it for the show. Just a, a lot of love and, and heartfelt condolences to the family of Tori Bowie. And can we please make some change in this uh, sector if we actually care about pregnant women? Um, Mondale Robinson, you're wonderful. Mayor of Enfield, North Carolina. Where can people find you and follow you? Um, I'm everywhere on social media at Mondale Robinson and also Rebel HQ provider. So check me out. All right, and everybody check out the Bituation Room. And up next, Unboss with Nina Turner. Uh, thank you so much. I don't remember the sign off, uh, 
<laughs> but uh, I love everybody. Thank you for your super chats and your comments and everything. And we will see you on another Indisputable tomorrow.